Welcome to the Gregory Digout Podcast. Let's get into God's Word. I'm going to take you to a place of Scripture in Acts chapter 3, and I want to talk to you about the miracle at the beautiful gate, the miracle at the beautiful gate. And, um, you know, I've been thinking about this since we're, we've been talking for several weeks, at least on Sundays, about the man that was lame for 38 years. And here's a man in Acts chapter three who was lame for 40 years, or at least he's 40 at this time when Peter and John run into him. But I want you to see this in Acts chapter three. And we'll start in verse one. It says, now, Peter and John were going to the temple at the hour of prayer. And when I'm going to just say something to you that. um, That we need to answer the question, we need to be we we need to be able to answer the question in life, because the number one question in your life after you're born again that you need to answer is, do you know what time it is? Do you know what time it is? And I don't mean, obviously, do you know what the clock reads? Do you know what's going on in the world? Even I don't even mean that. I mean, do you know what time it is? John, Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. It was the ninth hour. And I'm going to get I'm going to come back to that because this is a very important hour. And at this time and at at the temple, remember, the temple was the old covenant temple. It was the Jewish temple. This was not a Christian church, but that's where they went to pray after they got born again, because it was the only place that they knew. And it was but it was a Jewish temple and it was the hour of prayer because it was the Jewish tradition and the Jewish custom to pray at the ninth hour. And I'll get in. And that's approximately three in the afternoon. We'll get we'll get to that in a moment and and the significance of that. But um, but it says. And in verse two, and a man was lame from birth being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called beautiful. It's called beautiful or it's called the beautiful gate. And he would ask for money as they entered the temple, whoever entered the temple, he would be there at the gate and the gate was called what? Beautiful. And. They entered. That's where they would enter this beautiful gate, and that's where he would sit, hoping for people to give to him. And I want you to understand without Jesus, before Jesus came, only those before Jesus came, all the temple could provide was a place for people to sit. There was no power. There was no healing. There were no miracles until Jesus came. The temple was just a place where people could come, sit and beg. But it was the hour of prayer for them. And it says and I, and I want you to I want you to see a few things here. Let the be willing to expand your heart beyond self and beyond just your need to begin to see yourself the way God sees you, because we are the gate. To the temple, we are the gate to heaven. Jesus is the is the door. And Jesus is the only way 
But people are going to come in on the hinges of our lives. And God wants us to be the picture. That the world can look at and say, beautiful. Beautiful. God wants your life to be something that the world can look at and say, beautiful. Not about your smile, not about your hair, not about your shape, not about, uh, you know, whether you're prettier than somebody else. Um, It's all about your spirit. Coming out and coming through your body. Beautiful. And what we are to this world is to be a picture of the beautiful Savior, Jesus. Amen. You know, I believe it's I believe if we will go out of here, run into sick, sick loved ones or sick friends or sick people and offer to pray for them, you know what they'll say? Wow, that was beautiful. We know when if we'll go to the people that are hurting and offer them help, you know what they'll say? Beautiful. If we will go and tell the gospel, the good news of Jesus to the lost and to those that have never heard about the grace of God and we tell them about the the grace of God, that God saves you, not because you turn over a new leaf, not because you're so holy, but because he loved you, he's washed you and he's made you a king and a priest by his precious blood. By grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. You know what people will say? Beautiful. And I believe the church is the beautiful gate and God's people are the beautiful gate. And you and I are the gatekeepers. We're letting people in or we're keeping people out. Dear God, may we not be the ones that are keeping people out. May people not walk into the church and go, I'm not coming back to that church. Did you see how did you see how mean that greeter was? The greeter. Like like everybody has a place in the church. But if you don't know, if you don't naturally smile, if you're not naturally warm, you probably shouldn't sign up to be a greeter. Because it's not about you. I I just want to get out there and try to improve myself in an area I'm not good at. If you're not happy with people and you don't love and care and and we got to you know, we'll get you we'll get you a place in the back where nobody sees you. (laughs) But every God's going to use you still. We'll give you the prayer envelopes and you can pray for them. You know, pray in Jesus name. No problem. But you're not to be a greeter. okay? you got to know, you know, you got to stay in your lane. You got to know, you know, you got to stay in your lane, bro. You know what I'm saying? Psalm 133. Let me tell you about the church for a moment. You are the church, by the way. You say, well, you know, maybe talk about this on Sunday. Well, I'm just starting out here and we'll see if we need to talk about it on Sunday. I'm talking about it to you right now. This is for you, church. And for those of you that are watching, In Psalm 133, the Bible says how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity for 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 it is like the the oil, the anointing that flows down from the head, from Aaron's beard and down to his garments, to his priestly garments. And there the Lord commands the blessing right there. The Lord commands the blessing. How good and how pleasant, how good and how beautiful, how beautiful is one of the words there. And um, in in the scripture, in verse uh, one or verse one or two, he says um, how good and how precious and how pleasant it is. And that word pleasant is beautiful. 
It's like the it's the word that is derived where we get the word Eden. The Garden of Eden was the Garden of Pleasure and it was beautiful. Everything in it was beautiful. How good and how beautiful it is when we dwell together in unity. Boy, there's nothing uh, there's nothing uglier about a church than disunity, gossip and strife. There's nothing uglier than negativity and and uh, and and pride and self-righteousness and and being condescending and and talking down at people and 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 having a superiority uh, complex that is rooted in an inferiority complex. There's nothing worse than whether it's preachers or any of the Christians or any of the leaders or people that there's nothing uglier than 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 disunity and pride. But there's nothing prettier. There's nothing more beautiful than humility and unity. Amen. Amen. And and we dwell together in unity. And 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 at the end of this chapter, he says, for there the Lord commands the blessing. There's there is a there is a decree and a declaration and a and a, 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 a an authority, an authoritative declaration from God. Blessing is upon humble unified brethren that want the anointing to spread. And so there, he, he talks about the beautiful gate here, how good and beautiful is the is the people who are uni- unified and the brethren that are in unity. And then in and in Romans 10, verse 15, look there in Romans 10, 15, he says, oh, how beautiful. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. The gospel is the grace of God. The gospel is the love of God. The gospel is Jesus did it all. The gospel is it is finished. The gospel is the good news. Jesus paid the price. How beautiful are the feet of those that carry that gospel and who bring the glad tidings, the good news of good things. I don't understand how anybody can go to a church that is condemning, judgmental, negative. He says it's beautiful if we're bringing the gospel of peace and glad, glad tidings. A lot of churches are bringing mad tidings, not glad tidings of good things. Well, you better get that sin out of your life or God's going to get you. Holy Ghost is going to rain down fire and brimstone on you. That's not bringing good news of good things. The Bible doesn't even say that's going to happen. The Bible says Jesus took our wrath, nailed it to the cross. Boy, if we're going to walk in the power, we got to understand the gospel. If we're going to be beautiful to this world, if we're going to be the beautiful gate that people want to come in through rather than stay away from, we're going to have to understand the gospel is not bad news about bad things, but it's good news about good things. It's beautiful news about beautiful things. That's the gospel. Well, if you want to know the gospel, you don't have to look very far. If you want to understand what the gospel is supposed to look like, 
All you need to do is look at what Jesus did when he was on this earth. He never sicked a healed person. He healed the sick. He never hungered. A full person, he made full the hungry. He never blinded the seeing person. He gave sight to the blind. He never um, condemned the righteous, but he made righteous the condemned. See, this is the gospel. Just look at look at what Jesus did. Now, Jesus said some stuff that's, you know, whoa, better to, you know, pluck that pluck the eye out, (laughs) better to cut the arm off. Jesus said some things because he wasn't he wasn't preaching the new covenant gospel yet because the new covenant didn't go into effect until his blood was shed in John, chapter 19, verse 30, when he said it is finished. That's when the new covenant began. The New Testament of the book of Matthew is not the new covenant. It's the life of Jesus in this little window of time between the old covenant and the new covenant and Jesus bridging the two and handing, taking the handoff from the old covenant of law and taking it and turning it into the new covenant of grace. Amen. But um, and then in Matthew 16, verse 18, Jesus said, and I'll build my church and and the gates of hell in Matthew, chapter 16, verse 18, and the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. I will build my church on this rock and the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. So the church is supposed to be the beautiful carriers, the beautiful gate, the beautiful carriers and the powerful. The powerful force in the earth that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. And what can the gates of hell cannot? What can the gates of hell not prevail against? The gates of hell cannot prevail against the beautiful gates of God's church, the beautiful gates of God's people. The gates of hell cannot prevail against that. In other words, which one prevails? Beautiful gates prevail over hell's gates. The beautiful gospel prevails over a hell's gates. Are you with me still? We have to realize we are the beautiful gate to people. You are the beautiful gate to people. I am the beautiful gate to people. It doesn't mean we're going to do everything right. It doesn't mean we're going to never make a mistake. But people don't look at you. People aren't they don't they don't judge your Christianity. You know, people do not judge your Christianity based on your holiness. They judge your Christianity based on your kindness. I'm telling you, man, They don't judge your Christianity on your on your on your your boldness. They judge your Christianity on your mercy. Your grace. You giving a person a break rather than breaking a person. Um, You understand what I mean by that? It's time we realize who we are and what we are to be to the lame. This man was lame from birth. We need to realize what we are to be to the lame, to the suffering, to the lost in this world. It's time to take our place in this world. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places, but our feet are on this earth. I want to say that again. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places, but our feet are on this earth. 
Say that I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places, but my feet are on this earth. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you some things about this beautiful gate, this lame man. He sat and he begged in verse two at this gate called beautiful. Listen, from historical accounts, these gates were indeed an impressive sight. And much of it was made from Corinthian bronze. It was inlaid, ornately decorated gold. As the sun would shine upon it, its glistening brightness could be seen for miles. It stood 60 feet high with double doors. Yet sitting under its magnificent beauty was a suffering human being. Listen to me. Sitting under this glorious beauty of these gates was a suffering human being. I wonder how many people are coming on Sunday sitting in our beautiful church, watching our beautiful broadcast. But they're suffering. Inwardly, they're struggling, they're overextended financially, they're dealing with pain in their life, they're dealing with discouragement, they're hurting, their kids are struggling they're dealing with depression. They're dealing with loss. They're dealing with frustration. They're dealing with confusion. They're dealing with anxiety. They're dealing with um, an addictive behavior or a loved one with an addictive behavior. They're dealing with somebody who's suicidal. They're they're suicidal, maybe themselves. And they're sitting at the gate struggling, but they can't come in because it's not Peter and John standing at the gate. It's Caiaphas and Anus, the high priests of religion, rather than Peter and John, who represent the grace and the love of God. Peter represents the grace because he screwed up so many times and denied the Lord, denied the Lord, denied the Lord. And yet Jesus didn't give up on him. And it launched Peter into his destiny. John was the pillar of God's love, who who sat at the table at the Last Supper and leaned his head against the bosom of Jesus. He was the apostle of love. Peter was the apostle of grace. You would people would say Paul was the apostle of grace. And that's true. But Peter was was the apostle who had received the most grace from God. Paul gave the most revelation of God's grace to us in his letters. But Peter was the recipient of the most of God's grace. That's why he that's why people walked in. People tried to get in Peter's shadow in Acts chapter five to be healed. And no wonder that people are struggling, but the guys in the pulpit are more like Caiaphas. And I don't know, Anus, Anus, I don't know how to pronounce that dude's name, but, you know, he is the worst of the pronunciations the way he was and the way these guys were was they were judgmental. They were the religious leaders and they were the ones guarding the temple before Jesus rose from the dead. And they were the ones that stood at the temple and judged people before Jesus rose from the dead. But but guess what? Now the guys standing at the gate, and standing at the temple, there's a changing of the guards. 
You know, the changing of the guards, you know what it is. It goes from the, the judgmental, religious, self-righteous hypocrites to the Peter, you know, <laughs> Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man, you know, blankety blank. I can't believe let me cut people's ears off. Let me you know, let me you know, G Jesus nicknames him Satan. And Peter goes Peter goes through all of this. He's a he's he's us. He's you. He's me. He's a he's the guy that failed and screwed it up and kept putting his foot in his mouth. He's the guy that kept making a mistake. That's Peter. And he's now full of the grace of God. And John's just full of the love of God and the secrets of the of intimacy with Jesus. And these are the guys at the gate. Now, there's a changing of the guards at the gate and there must be a changing of the guards in the body of Christ. We must go from the high priests of Caiaphas and Annas and we must come to this place where we're the Peters and the Johns and we're the people who now say, can say silver and gold. I do not have to give to you, but what I do have to give to you, I give to you in the name of Jesus. Rise and walk. We're the beautiful gate. We're where the miracles happen. It's time for us to rise up and have a changing of the guards. May the church, may every person that comes in contact with us come in contact with a John or a Peter, not a Caiaphas or an anus. I'm just telling you, the Lord's speaking, Lord speaking through me. Back to the lame man. This man is grown. He's a grown man. Every day his friends have to carry him to the temple to beg for a living. There had never been a day in his life where he where, we, where he was not a burden. To somebody, he could not walk, he could not work. All he could do was sit there and beg and hope that people would have pity on him. But let me tell you something. The church is not designed by God just to show pity on the lame and the broken and call it a day. The church is called to heal the lame. The church is called to deliver people from being victims the rest of their lives. The church is called. We're called to be people that bring healing to the lame, not pity to the lame. So how are we going to do this? Number one, we need to know what time it is. What time is it in your life? Here it says it's the ninth hour, which is 3 p.m. It was the hour of prayer in the old covenant, but we're not under the old covenant anymore. So what does the ninth hour have to do with anything? And why would he mention it? It was the hour of prayer under the old covenant. And prayer was, you know, if you just pray enough that maybe a miracle could happen. But it's not it's no longer. Now, don't get me wrong. Prayer is powerful and the prayers of the righteous avail much. It doesn't say the long prayers of the righteous. It doesn't say the hour long prayers of the righteous. It says the effectual fervent prayer. You know, you can you know, Lord, help is a fervent prayer and effective if you're the righteousness of God. Be healed in Jesus name is a fervent, effectual prayer of the righteous. If you're the righteousness of God and it will avail much. Are you with me? So 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 the ninth hour being the hour of prayer under the old covenant. But remember, we're not in the we're not under the old covenant. 
So what does the ninth hour represent? We need to know what time it is, church. You need to know what time it is. And I'm going to tell you what time it is. It's 3 p.m. What is 3 p.m.? It's the hour. It's no longer where, where it's the hour where we have to perform for God to get him to do something. This is the hour of mercy. It is the hour when Jesus Christ died on the cross. The thir- three o'clock, the ninth hour is when Jesus died on the cross. And when you realize that we are carriers of God's mercy and it's, the, it's our hour, it's our time, it's three o'clock. Guess what that means? That means we're the beautiful gate. Guess what that means? The lame are waiting for somebody to believe in the mercy enough that they can lay their hands on the sick, to believe in the goodness enough that they can show kindness and love to the to the to the to the people that are that that the world has rejected and that the church has rejected. And we can say this is the hour of mercy. What time it is? What time is it? It's 3 p.m. It's the hour Jesus died. It's the hour to declare it is finished. It's the hour for the church to rise up and say there is power, power, wonder working power in the blood of the lamb. I don't know, man. I'm not trying to get all preachy here, but it doesn't make any sense to anybody. It's the hour when everything changes, when sin doesn't reign anymore. It's the hour when salvation's price has been paid. It's the hour where grace reigns. It's the hour where healing reigns. It's the hour where 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 righteousness reigns. It's the hour where 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 freedom reigns. It's the hour where deliverance reigns. It's the hour where the mercy and grace of God is available to every human being that we come in contact with. That's what makes the church beautiful, that they see that we're we're not we're not victims of our of our past. We were victims of his mercy. We're victims of his grace. We've been victimized by God's love. I don't mind being that. It's the hour we don't have to leave people hurting at the front gate and just give them a quarter. It's no longer the hour just to give beggars some money. It's the hour to bring power to this world. It's the hour to bring power in every city in the world. There are beggars still. And there always will be until Jesus comes. And we can't necessarily meet every person's need financially. But I can tell you this. Every person we come in contact with, we can be the beautiful gate that doesn't leave them lame and suffering any longer with just a little pity. But we give them power. The beautiful gate is so much more than a place to sit. Now, the church should be should not be a place where we just sit. It should be a place where we're launched. It should be a place where we're launched into our workplace, launched back to our family, launched into our community, launched into our businesses, launched into our circles of influence, where we bring this beautiful gospel and this beautiful power to the people we come in contact with. We can't just sit outside the beautiful gate anymore. It's time to come in. And it's time to. Receive. Mercy and grace in our time of need. The beautiful gate, we we need to. How are we going to be the church that doesn't just show pity to the broken, but brings power to the broken? We need to know what time it is. It's the three. It's three o'clock. It's the time of God's power. It's the time where blood 
reigns. It's the time where the blood goes into effect and heals and forgives and delivers and sets free. And it's the it's when we understand that the gate is an entryway. Many are just sitting at the gate, many Christians sitting and struggling and suffering in our church. On Sunday, there'll be many come that are suffering still and they'll just say, well, I went to church, but we need to bring them the power so they don't leave in the same condition that they've been in for 40 years. Peter and John, Peter and John are about to light this guy up. Come on, baby, light my fire is all I can say. Um, the beautiful gate is a non judgmental gate. We're offering healing, not criticism. We're cultivating worth, not condoning or condemning lifestyles, but cultivating the worth of the new human spirit born again and recreated in the image of God. We're cultivating the worth of every human being that before we were in our mother's womb, he knew us and we were fearfully and wonderfully made. And that's true about every human being that's ever been born or unborn, that's ever been conceived while yet in their mother's womb. God knew us and destined us. And we need to be that that gate of mercy, not judgment. Listen, the church. Is to transform lives. We're. Created by God, you're not just here for a little Bible study. We're here to be the church and we're created by God. To transform lives, this man, think about it again. I want to just say it and give you a couple more things will be done. There had never been a day in his life where he had not been a burden to somebody. He could not walk. He could not work. All he could do was beg. But all of that was about to change. How does it change when we elevate our expectation? In verse three, it says, and Peter directed his gaze at him or seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms and Peter and directed his gaze at him and as did John and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them. He looked up at them expecting to receive something from them. Listen, when you run into a Peter and a John, your expectations are going to go up. He didn't understand it all, but he ran into some people here, Peter and John, who had been with Jesus and are filled with the Holy Spirit. He didn't run into Caiaphas and Annas. He ran into Peter and John and he knew that they had something for him. Listen to me. We have something for this world. We have something for this world. And when people come in contact with us, we should elevate their expectation of what God can do in their life. The church is to be a place where we elevate people's expectation. He was looking for a handout, not a healing, but he got more than he bargained for. There are a lot of reasons why people come to church, but we need to bring them more than a handout. We need to bring them healing and help make them whole. The church is a place where we need to straighten out our thinking. 
not everybody's lifestyle and behavior. That'll catch up if we can straighten out our thinking. The wrong thinking here that this man had was he was willing to settle for settle for pity rather than for power. And we need to we need to elevate the expectations of people that come to church. And we start with starts with us. We need to expect power when we come together. We don't need to just expect pity. Oh, God, have pity on my pitiful life. We need to expect power. We need to expect to be empowered and to be an, and an impartation and to leave here different than how we came and to leave here with more electricity going through our veins than than how we walked in. OK. A handout is OK, but it doesn't get the man back on his feet. But the power of God got him back on his feet. The beautiful gate is the entryway to the joy filled life. Once he was healed, it says in verse eight, he was leaping and praising God. He was walking, he was leaping and he was praising God. The beautiful gate, the church is supposed to be a place that leaves people leaping, walking and praising God. Listen, we need to stop. We need to stop shooting our wounded. We need to stop condemning and judging the 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 hurt sheep. We need to stop judging people because of where they're at in their life and where they're at in their journey and say, well, if they were really a Christian, they'd be behaving this way, really, because if you were then if then at that standard, you're not even a Christian because the way you behave sometimes just by judging that guy shows your behavior screwed up, it shows you're not shows you. Thank God we're saved by grace. That's the whole point. Um, this man had never walked. He never leaped. He never rejoiced. But what changed him was he came in contact with people at the beautiful gate that had something to give him. Was it silver and gold and handouts to everybody? No, we're not here to give out handouts to everybody. But what we do have, we give to you in the name of Jesus. Rise and walk. And he walked, he leaped and he praised God. If our message does not help people walk, if our message does not help people leap, if our message does not help people praise God, then we have preached the wrong message. And I'll I'll be under that judgment. If my message does not help you walk, if it does not help you leap, if it does not help you praise God, then I don't belong on the platform. You know what doesn't you know what doesn't disqualify me? Mistakes don't disqualify me. Ineffectiveness does. I'm not saying to go out and commit mistakes. I'm saying mistakes don't disqualify a person. Ineffectiveness disqualifies a person. Pride disqualifies a person. Um, and, and are we leaving people limping as they walk out, beat up by our condemnation and guilt trips? Or are we leaving people leaping? Are we leaving people walking? And go and making progress forward, or are we leaving people going just being discouraged? Oh, I can't live up to that. Are we leaving people thinking I can't? Oh, man, after all of what he said, I'm not living like I'm not living at that level. I don't deserve to praise God. 
or are we are we leaving people with such freedom that they go out of here praising God? I'm just trying to tell you, that's the culture we're creating here. That's the culture of the beautiful gate, the beautiful gospel and God's beautiful people.